Welcome to this episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. I'm your host, Dustin Sutton. Today, we are thrilled to have Giselle Batley as a guest. She is an industry-recognized DE&I and talent executive, and she specializes in programs and initiatives for large-scale commercial real estate professional service organizations. She has an impressive array of certifications and accolades. As we discussed in the podcast, she actually has more letters after her name that are in her name. So I'm not going to go all of of them now, but she is a uh, certified professional in human resources, uh, certified diversity executive, certified lean practitioner, certified Six Sigma green belt. The list goes on and on. And we have a, a captivating conversation and we explore not only where she is now with her career, but also the journey and all the lessons and the tools that she gained from her experience starting out in sales and where that journey has brought her. So I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. So without any further ado, here's Giselle Batley. And here we are. Giselle, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. I want to jump right into the conversation. And I gave a little intro before we came on, but I want to give you the opportunity to say a little bit about yourself and what you do. Awesome. Ooh, where do I start? <laughs> that's, a, that's a big, that's a big question. Just tell me all about yourself. Right. I mean, we're, we're all, um, we all wear multiple hats. So I'll say this first, the first and foremost, my most important duties is I'm a wife and a mother. Um, I have a six, soon to be seven-year-old and an eight-year-old boy and girl. So they keep me busy. Um, Actually, I think I just mentioned to you a moment ago, I will be running right after this to go pick them up. Um, Outside of that, in my um, day job, I'm fortunate that I really get to live out one of my, my personal missions in life. And if anyone's familiar with the organization, NABA, National Association of Black Accountants, they have um, a saying that they use, which is lift as you climb. And that's something I live out every day in my work. Um, I lead a global early careers recruiting team um, for JLL, and that's commercial real estate. We're a Fortune 200 commercial real estate firm. Um, and I get to help open doors for young professionals, early career professionals, um, as they start their first journeys. And, you know, especially I would say within the U.S., we have a very heavy focus on underrepresented communities. Um, As I think we both know, the commercial real estate industry still has a long way to go um, as it relates to, you know, creating more equity um, and having more underrepresented Um, communities in the industry. And so I get to be on the forefront of that. I actually just came back last week from the HBCU Summit um, in Orlando, where we had about 50 HBCU deans and about 80 of their top students and um, got to spend the week educating them on commercial real estate. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I live in the New Orleans, Louisiana area. I'm a Southern girl at heart. Um, Yeah, I think that covers it. Okay. Well, how, what was your entry point into 
the commercial did you because and was it the the talent side or was it the commercial real estate how did you get into the industry yeah talent side um and it's funny because i actually started my career in sales and um so i was actually i started in beer sales a lot of people look at me and they're like you did what now <laughs> and i sold beer right out of college i worked for miller coors um they actually called me about an internship opportunity on the sales team um I was not going to go to the interview, but I decided to go. I moved up the ranks pretty quickly, became a chain account sales executive, um, but decided that I was tired of being the only woman in the room, the only person of color in the room. I was always the youngest in the room and I had a great team, but it just, it wore, it wore on me very early. And so I had at that point, what I called a quarter life crisis at the tender age of 25 and decided to do an entire career pivot. Um, I moved into HR, took a pay cut and everything, um, but kind of worked my way back up. And I've been in recruiting slash DNI since then. Um, so sometime right around 2020, um, a lot of the commercial real estate firms took a moment to pause and reflect on their DE&I goals. Um, and I got a phone call about an opportunity for a new role that was created. And here I am. So I want to go back Further, because you talked about the steps from when you went in from the from the beer sales, and from there going into the HR. What was that? You you mentioned the pay yeah. cut. I mean, I don't want to bring up bring up bad <laughs> memories about taking a pay cut, but Ooh, that one hurt. <laughs> but what what was what was that transition like from going to sales to to then a, then an HR role? Yeah, so I'll say the beauty of sales is that. You know, if you're if you're a good salesperson, you have a gift. You can it's you can connect with people, um, and that's what HR is about, right? And it most especially recruiting. So I just went from selling the product to selling the company as an employer mm. of choice. Um, so it was actually a very easy transition outside of the obvious uh, perks that came along with sales. At that time, we had company cars and all those things that I didn't get anymore on the HR side. Um, but I found my I found my home, and actually, what really got me into it was um, because I was one of the few, um, you know, sales leaders of color. I would be invited out to different recruitment events to speak, um, especially Thurgood Marshall Miller Brewing Company was a founder of the Thurgood Marshall um, of their sponsors, and I attended one of those conferences, and I was like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. Like, I love this more than my day job. Um, helping to get more people who look like me um, into this industry. So, you know, all that to answer your question, it was it was definitely an easy transition, but it was because I found my passion. Yeah. So I think one of the things that we're doing with the show and the, one of the purposes behind having these conversation and these and these interviews, when we talk about the tools, talents and techniques is not necessarily, you know, what you do, but a lot of times it's like, what are the skills and the tools that you have that are applicable in other areas of your life? And I think yeah. you just hit the nail on the head when you're saying the, the sales experience led directly or, or at least gave you an easier transition into, into mm -hmm. HR and that role. Absolutely. So when you're, when you're in this role and you're, you're in the HR and, and, you're selling the company. And also it sounds like you have in, in the back of your mind, or maybe at the forefront of your mind that mm 
why it's hard for people to integrate from that have a certain experience or, or, or lived experience into these roles. Can you talk about how you formulate that into the structure of your, your day or how you work or how you view situations? Ooh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that one. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough. And I think, um, you know, what's funny is now being in, in real estate, I see so much similarities to mm-hmm. <laughs> what I used to do, right, to, to the beverage industry, food and beverage. And I'll just say this. I think um, you have to find, once you find your passion, all those other things don't matter, right? Like you'll, you'll, you'll find your way. Um, you find what you love to do, which for me, it's, I like to challenge people and that's part of being in sales, right? You have to be competitive. I like to challenge people. So when I find things that I don't agree with, or I find things that I know that are problematic, I roll up my sleeves. I start cracking my knuckles. I'm like, all right, let's do this, right? Like let's find data to support why this is wrong. Um, Let me help change this process. Um, So it, I mean, it's, it's difficult being in these types of industries and being these types of roles. And especially when you're, one of the few. Um, but again, when you love what you do, it's fun. It's, it's fun to challenge the status quo. It's fun to break down those barriers and make changes. Um, so hopefully that answers your question, but you know, I, I'm up for the challenge. I love it. <laughs> and again, call that the sales background in me, but. So in the, in those times between when you're doing sales, and then you get the HR and you're, you're focused on, or at least maybe not directly focused, but it's, it's an area of diversity um, and inclusion. So you're doing this, you're doing this work. Can, can you at any level, you know, talk about some of the challenges that you faced or, and some of the ways that you overcome obstacles? Yeah, I'll tell you a big one. And this is a challenge. Um, I've, I've faced at every organization I've worked for. So this is not industry specific, not specific to the company I'm with today. Um, but you have to you have to educate a lot of very senior leaders on certain topics, um, and you know that that's something that people find intimidating, right? Like, how do you tell someone who's three four levels above you that they're wrong, like completely wrong, um, and not wrong because they're trying to do anything wrong, but just they might not be informed and. Um, so that's the challenge I face every single day. And these are people that, you know, key stakeholders I'm building relationships with. And again, not just here, this has been every, every company I'm in, you'll, you'll find, you know, at least one or two of those. Um, and I mentioned it before and I'll say it again, you know, there's plenty of information out there, plenty of data out there to, to back up why we're doing what we're doing, whether it's from a DNI perspective, um, whether it's from challenging a process, um, the good news is, especially since 2020, um, a lot of these topics are more talked about now. There are more resources out there. There's more books. There's more podcasts. Um, so anytime I'm challenging a leader to think differently, um, I come with those resources. I come with those information. And what I find is it's helpful to give people those tools so that they can find their own conclusion. Um, you can't come and tell them they're wrong, <laughs> but you have to say, well, have you thought about this or have you read this? Or actually, I recently saw this study. Have you seen it? 
um, and just sort of presenting things in that way, letting them find their conclusions through that information um, and then coming with a solution and say, okay, now that we, now that you agree and you've come to this, um, you've come to this understanding, now let me propose this solution for you. Um, but yeah, I see it. I see it all the time. And again, a lot of it's just challenging processes. You know, well, we've always done it this way, or we've always recruited at these sources, or you know, we always look for this type of candidate. And I get to be the one that comes in and and changes that. And it's fun. <laughs> so, well, that I, I think that wow, that that's some that's really high level. The way you approach that. Um, do you where did you develop that? Like where where did you learn that skill? Yeah, consulting about, and selling. About how to approach that. <laughs> selling, uh, sales. Yeah, you go, you go back to the sales. Selling, that's right, right. You know, the the best way um, to close a deal is to get someone to come to that conclusion on their own, right? To make them feel that it's that it's their idea, um, and it's the same thing in recruiting. Um, it's the same thing in working with leaders trying to change processes. You know, you can't shove anything down anyone's throat, um, but no one can argue with with data. No one can argue with the facts. Well, there I won't say no one. Someone will try. <laughs> Those <laughs> people, there might not be much helping that anyway. But um, yeah, I, I still lean on that to this day. Some of the training I had even from then, um, I think has really fared well throughout my career. Do you go back to what, what was the the sales training like when you when you were doing sales? Yeah, so we we would do um, at least once a year. We would go to what they called sales university, and um, you know we would read different books. And now I'm trying, I'm blanking on some of the names of the books right now, but we would read books, have discussions, we would do role plays. Um, and, you know, we were working with some pretty um, pretty large scale customers. I, I was dealing with large chain accounts, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, these weren't, you know, mom and pop type shops. So we would do sales training at least once a year. Yeah. So you were, um, you were, you were in the deep end of sales training. You learned yeah. how, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've I gotten up to the chain levels. And once you start working with big, big, large national chains, then that's a, um, a different skill set you have to develop. Yeah, yeah, I, I concur with that. And, you know, I started my career in outside sales. And one of the hardest things that <laughs> that you could do in dealing with the rejection, well, for, for me and, and my role, and it was, it was all outside sales and, you know, some of the some of the hardest experiences yeah. in my life. But, you know, I, you walk away with some of the, the, the greatest lessons that you yes. get and something that I that I carry forward personally. So I, I hear you. Absolutely. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I had the highest numbers and all those things, because again, I was, I was fairly young batting against some very experienced people, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot through it. Yeah. So I, I would, so let's go back to your, to your journey. And, and so before you came to your current role, where, where were you directly before that? Um, so I was with Deloitte, which is, um, also another global professional services firm, um, primarily known for, you know, accounting. And okay. For those who don't know, that's, that's one of the big four accounting firms. Yeah. Um, so I was with them for five years. I started in campus recruiting and <laughs> I didn't, I left this part of the story out, but um, after I got married, I had to leave my first company, moved back down South, 
took a even bigger cut <laughs> mm. uh, to work for a small um, local community college just while I was looking for jobs. Um, ended up going to another midsize organization, then found my way to Deloitte um, and was there for five years. So I started in campus recruiting there, worked my way back over into DEI recruiting. Then I led our um, national DEI recruitment efforts for several years. And then that's when I got the call for commercial real estate. Was there, is there anything that now that you've been, you said, you said 2020, correct? When you joined your current firm? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Was there anything that surprised you about the change? And, you know, again, yeah, this could be anything, mm-hmm. but, but going into commercial real estate and, you know, I, I, I go to deep end about my, yeah. my experience, but, <laughs> but was there anything that you were like, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't expect that. Or, oh, this is different than, than I anticipated. Um, okay. I'll answer that from two different perspectives. So from like a pure DNI recruitment perspective, no surprises whatsoever. I mm. have now been in multiple industries. So I went from CPG beer to healthcare, to higher education, to big four accounting. Everybody has the same problems when it comes to DE&I, um, and it's by design. Um, if you just look at, you know, I mean, just beyond these corporations, if you look at our nation as a whole and the systems and all the things that are in place, I mean, it is it is a bigger problem than just this one little industry, um, large industry, rather. <laughs> mm. So I'll say that. So no, I had no surprises. I was not shocked by what some people feel is the, the massive lack of progress, which it is, um, was no surprises there. From the other side, though, where I was very pleasantly surprised was that um, it seemed like, at least at, when I first joined, there was not as much red tape as I had seen in some other organizations. I think people were much, much more willing to try different things. Um, there was a lot more energy here than anywhere else I've been um, to really move the needle and to make progress. Um, now, some can say just in general that a lot of that could be client driven. Because obviously, you know, we know more diverse teams win better business. Um, it's good for business all around. And we all have to agree with that. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the drivers are in general. Um across the industry, but I saw the industry really come together. You know, people from other firms were calling me, we were connecting and everybody was trying to solve this. How do we get more diversity into the industry? So for whatever reason, I I did see that. And I I was very um, pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah, well, that that's good, and that's what yeah. you know. I, I wasn't trying to ask you anything that was worse than, but you know, some things are are better than, and that's yeah. and that's and that's great. Absolutely. Is there in your in your role, and not even in your role professionally, like personally, is there anything that you see parallels in what you're doing that, or resources that can be, I guess, attributed or or or, or applied to the commercial real estate that other people are doing well outside of it? Hmm. So you're just to make sure I understand you're saying, what do I see from outside the industry that we could potentially do here within? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, yes. <laughs> and I think that the biggest thing is um, building building pipelines by early, early hiring. So what I see people doing in other industries is starting very early in college, giving early offers, taking greater chances on talent, right? Where I think what I've seen in real estate, and for, and for right reasons, don't get me wrong, I do think we are a bit more selective about who we let in, who we let on our teams, who we're putting in front of our clients. We're not, we we don't take as many risks as I see other organizations take mm. um, with opening the door to talent. And I would say, you know, they're definitely more open to that risk at the early career stage, but um, I think we could be a bit more aggressive. Um, I think also at that mid-level career stage is also a huge opportunity across the industry, letting people in who have no real estate experience, but transferable skills, right? Like we just talked about how transferable my sales experience was coming into this role. Just imagine if we really started looking at um, and that is some of the work that our team is starting to do here, but like really, truly looking at transferable skills and things that, um, you know, can't be taught. And then we can catch you up to everything else. And I think we just got to be more open as an industry to letting letting others in that don't have that experience. Direct industry experience. Yeah, I, I think I think that's that's huge for what from what I see, especially if people don't know, and I think exposure at an early age and even people in other industries and showing them that this world exists. And it's conversation that I have quite often with people. Like I didn't know. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know exactly. until, until you even <laughs> get a gander at the commercial real estate industry. So you don't know how much is involved, yeah. uh, you know, even, you know, when people just think of real estate, well, first of all, people that don't have any exposure to it, they think of buying and selling houses. And then you talk about commercial mm -hmm. and they go, oh, well, what is that? And then, you know, you start talking about the different food groups and, you know, industrial and retail and mm -hmm. multi you start talking about these things. And then all the other things, tax, title, insurance, brokerage, yes. leasing, yeah. all these things. And even, I just had this conversation earlier about, you know, the HVAC, the lighting, and somebody owns those companies. Somebody is in HR in all those companies. Somebody does the accounting for all those exactly. companies. And, and there's so much opportunity that just having people aware of it is is huge. And I, I think that makes a big difference. But I, even hearing it from your standpoint, from your vantage point of, you know, yes, you got to expose people, but also you need to be more open to letting people in. That, Correct. But yeah. And Dustin, can I give you an example of that? So what's the first question people ask in an interview? I'll tell you. Why do you want to work here? Mm. <laughs> right? Like, why is this job of interest to you? If that question had been asked of me when I was called, I wouldn't be sitting here today. Hmm. Because I couldn't answer it. I couldn't answer it. So if someone, if the recruiter who, by the way, is fabulous, I sing her praises, um, because... I didn't know who JLL was when they called me. And I'm going to admit that. And it's it's embarrassing to admit. I had no idea who JLL was. I didn't know about the industry. Um, and so had that been the first question, why are you interested? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about commercial real estate. 
But because that wasn't a requirement and they saw my skills and they saw my skill set and they said, okay, we can teach you the industry, I've been able to thrive. Um, but that is still a barrier to so many people at different levels. You know, I've seen that asked of entry-level folks. I've seen that asked of mid-level folks. That is a tough question to answer, especially if you're from a underrepresented community where this is not talked about at home. Um, it's not talked about at the dinner table. Oh, you should grow up and go into commercial real estate. You know, my I, I'll put it out there again, transparently. I you know, called my parents. I still talked to them and told them, you know, hey, I'm thinking about making this change. And, you know, I told my husband um, and they were like, who? You're going to leave Deloitte for what? <laughs> right. Mm. And so, um, and again, it's been what, and honestly, and, it, and I'm not just saying this, but it has been one of the best moves ever. And I think it's just even me personally seeing that there's so much more out there that again, it's just not something that is just readily introduced to us, um, and I would say me within my community and within my family, it was not talked about. Um, and so that's what I mean by like really opening the doors, like not expecting someone to have any knowledge or background, but seeing past all of that to say, they have what it takes, we will teach the rest. Um, and there's some of that happening across commercial real estate, but not enough. Yeah, you know, one, one thing that stands out, you'd hope that somebody at some point, the interview process did a little research on the company. <laughs> of course. I mean, yeah, I didn't go in completely blind. I probably would not have had the exact articulate answer that someone who has been in the industry or been studying the industry yeah. would have. No, no, absolutely. Right? Yeah. No, I, I would not have picked up the phone if I didn't do at least a quick Google search first. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, it, it's, yeah, you know, like, okay, it, fortune 200, we're good. <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of an experience I had. In, um, I mean, it's, it's similar, but different where I was at a, a like a winery, like a wine tasting event. And I, I wasn't, I enjoy wine. It's not, but it was very presumptive of the guy who was running it. He asked me, he's like, so when was the moment that you fell in love with wine? And I was like, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, like, uh, I haven't yet, but I'm willing to listen to what you what you have to say about it. And why I should be in love with it. Um, yeah. But yeah. So so one one of the things that I wanted to to ask you about, you know, I, I said before the things that that you see outside that could be transferable in, but is there anything in your professional experience that that you've learned, and this could be the sales or the HR that mm -hmm. that you've carried to outside of work, the things that have helped you personally? Ooh, that's a good one. You didn't prepare me for that one. No, I'm kidding. Um, gosh, I would say this. Um, I've learned a lot about just preparation, right? And I think, again, that comes from sales, like always thinking a step ahead of, of your customer and anticipating their needs, anticipating what they want. Um, I use that skill a lot at home. <laughs> mm. um, so definitely that. And then the other thing too, I would say on the reverse, um, something, you know, growing up in, in my family, um, you know, that whole lift as you climb type motto, that was exactly what I was taught. And in everything that I do, I need to be bringing one or two or three or four or five with me wherever I go. Um, 
And so in any job that I've been in, I've always found my way to naturally to this DE&I side of things. Uh, so I didn't mention that, but even in sales, I covered our, what we called our multicultural accounts, which would be our diversity accounts, the accounts that, um, you know, some others might not want to take on. <laughs> I did those. Um, I even did a short stint with um, a marketing agency and I did our multicultural marketing efforts. And so I also did ran some of those diversity events and promos and um, helping to get our product in the hands of, of different customers. So even that um, has been something I've always found myself dabbling in. And so I think I've also carried that back into my professional life too and, and found my way um, in a way where I'm always giving back or creating space and opportunity for other people in every job I've been in. Do you, do you feel, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, put words in your mouth and Dre, but do you feel that your trajectory in your career, this is something, um, like where, where, where do you see this all going for you in your career and how you're developing as a, as a person? Yeah. That is the money question. <laughs> I don't know. So I will say this. I've been, it's probably been just about 11, 12 years now in, um, in the recruiting space. I don't know what's next. Um, do I think this is it? No, I, th I think there's definitely more to conquer. Um, but I'm not sure. I, I don't have an mm. answer for that. And I'm open. I'm an open book. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm open to exploring other things. I do like this industry. I think there's so much within this industry that, um, I still have to uncover and still have to conquer. And there's certainly things in our roles right now that I still need to conquer. And I want to see some projects through, but I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm headed next after this. <laughs> well, and even the role, because I think the beautiful thing about working at a company like, like you can move. Upwards, I, I, I imagine, right? Because you you have a very large company, um, and you have so many skills, and you're learning so many things. And being on on the side of and seeing the talent and seeing what gets people to the next step. Um, and this is why I didn't want to put this like words in your mouth, but yeah, <laughs> you're you're help you're helping so many people get to their next step. And mm -hmm. like, so I, I think my question is, mm -hmm. what are the things that you're putting in your toolbox to help uh, you get to your next step? Oh, yes. Well, I, one thing <laughs> for sure is I believe in constant education. Um, mm. You know, I'm constantly, you know, what's the next maybe certification I can get or what's the next type of professional development program I can participate in. So certainly within my company, um, I'm participating in our business resource groups, which I get a lot of just really great um, knowledge and engagement within our communities here. We host programs. Um, I am doing um, various leadership development programs within my organization, um, participated in a coaching program recently where I had a professional coach. Um, I just completed my master's degree at the oh, congrats. tender age of, I won't say, but <laughs> let's just say, it's many years beyond um, when I first planned. I wrote in my high school yearbook that I would go to Xavier, get my undergraduate degree, and then I would go get a master's. I did not say that I would do it at this age, but hey, it's done. Um, well, congratulations. So yeah, 
<laughs> thank you. Thank you. So yeah, I'm, I'm a constant learner. I'm, I'm constantly adding new tools to my toolbox um, because you never know. So I'll, I'll give you an example. My, um, my undergraduate degree is in marketing. I told you I've done sales marketing. I've now been in HR. So I went and got a PHR, which is the professional HR certification. My master's is in project management, which I also feel like is a skill that you can use across many different roles. Um, I have a certification um, as a Six Sigma Greenbelt. I have a Lean Practitioner certification. I have a diversity certification. Um, so I would say my own portfolio is very diversified and that's for a reason. Um, and so, and that's why when people ask, where do you want to go? I'm like, I don't know. It's a lot of places I can go with all of this. <laughs> um, so yeah, constant learner. And I do believe that everyone should always be investing in themselves. And this is advice I give, especially to those early on in their career. I tell them to leave no benefit on the table. Mm. Do not leave a dime of benefits that company offers you. If they have education benefits, take it. If they have leadership programs, do them. If you can get a certification paid for, get it. Um, you should be pouring into yourself as much as you are pouring into that job. Um, and as we know, in down economies, um, anything can happen. We also didn't talk about this. I had a stop in my career where I was laid off because I started my career in 2008 and we know what happened that year. Um, I and I <laughs> very learned, well, all too yeah. well. And I've learned a very, very important lesson very early on <laughs> that you have to look out for yourself um, as well. So I, I'm a big fan of investing in yourself and taking advantage of all the benefits that are offered to you. One of the things that you mentioned, uh, being a learner and all the certifications and yeah, it's, it's evident that you get, you get cert you certify your knowledge. You have more letters after your name oh than are in your name. Uh, you could, <laughs> so that's, that's funny. pretty, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's pretty impressive. You got, you got a lot of letters after that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that, I think that's really important to, to share and, about investing in yourself. And one of the things to realize, and I, I think this is the case, I think you alluded to this, is that the company you're with, and, and if you're with a company that is offering these things, mm -hmm. that's an investment in you. And the investment in you is an investment back in the company. So, so it all amplifies itself. And yeah. if you, and if actually, if you're not taking advantage of those things, you're actually doing a disservice to the company in some ways. Absolutely. Um, you're more valuable as well as you're growing and learning. Um, you know, cause I, I look back and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why are you getting your master's? You know, you, you have a, you have a decent job. You're doing well. Like, you know, do you need it? I'm like, no, I don't need it. But my degree is now from X number of years ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I want to make sure that even what I know is relevant, you know, and even going back to school now, I'm going to tell you, Justin, like, I didn't realize all the tools that are available to these students between just all the technology now that they're using in school where I used to walk to the library and, and, you know, individually look up the book and go find the book, find the page, do my own typing and um, have to sit in the writing center to get my, <laughs> to get my papers graded. And now it's all online. You know, I write my paper. I have Grammarly to help me write it. I put it in this Turnitin tool. It tells you if you have um, any, um, 
any issues with your paper, then you can submit it virtually to the writing center. You get it back in 24 hours. I mean, I just learned how even students now are using all this technology to get through school. Um, and then, of course, now you have open AI. I mean, it opened my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't know existed. Um, I'm so glad I went back. And absolutely, I think everybody should look because your your degree gets dated. You know, the things we were doing in school are outdated now. You know, we were just learning Excel when I was in school. They were just teaching us how to make a basic chart in Excel and, and look at how far it's come since then. So, <laughs> and I think it's important to note is to what you to your point, going back and doing work um, with a new set of eyes because you are a different yeah. person than you were when you originally went to school. You know, if it's, if it's later on, and, and I think. A lot of people would say, like, if I go back to school, I'd pay more attention, or I would take this class, or I would do this differently. But now you have a different lens through which you're seeing it because you see how this applies in real life. I I know personally, there are a lot of instances where I was like, oh, why would I take that? Like, I don't, hopefully, I don't work with that. And sure enough, (laughs) 10 years later, that's all I'm doing is math. Like, oh, man. And so it's just a slower transition to do that. So, but now going back and doing that, if you can, can find the time and have the resources to do so. It is a very impactful thing. Yes, absolutely. And look, and, and you saying resources, that's important too, because if that's a concern for anyone who's listening, you know, one thing I did is I did one class at a time, one class per semester. It took me a lot longer than it should have, but that way I made sure it fit within my benefits and it was covered. So, um, and not that I couldn't, but why would I? pick up the extra, you know, college debt if I don't have to. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I, I did it in a way that works for me and my lifestyle didn't have, I didn't have to take away financially from anything else that we have going on with my family. Um, but it's important. I think everybody should do it or could do it. And if it, again, it doesn't have to be a full on another degree, but certifications, um, any types of leadership programs, absolutely, I encourage everybody to do that every few years. So I, I want to be mindful of our of our time here, but before we go, there's something that I think dovetails nicely with what we're what we're talking about currently. Um, not necessarily regrets, but if you could go talk to sixteen year old, seventeen year old Giselle, and you know, Ooh. say hey. You, you, maybe you should pay more attention to this, or maybe you should zig here, zag there. You know, what are some things that that you might tell your younger self on on what to prepare for ahead? Yeah, I think the one not prepare for because actually looking back, I wouldn't change my path. I would just tell her not to worry. Mm. Um, I think I was very much that young, hungry. I'm going to come out and take over the world and. I'm going to be a senior leader by the age of 25, (laughs) right? Like, don't worry, like slow down, enjoy the ride, enjoy the ups and downs because all of those things, again, a girl coming out of college selling beer is now a global talent leader. Make that make sense. You can't, but it's just every little piece of that journey just melted so perfectly into who I am today. Um, so yeah, I would just tell her, don't worry, slow down, have fun. This is one of the real beauties of, of having the show and, ha- and 
doing these interviews because I think sometimes people will see you in the position that you are and, you know, some other of the guests that we've had. And, mm -hmm. and it seems so distant sometimes for people, especially yeah. people early in their career. And they're like, oh, this, but to hear your experiences and your journey and to put a, you know, a personal touch around that, I, I think it does, it is inspiring to hear those steps on the journey to let other people know that, oh, this is, this is possible. Like you can, you can do this. And I think it's just really, really cool what you, what you've been able to do and what you're currently doing. And um, yeah, I just want to say thank you for, for sharing. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we go, I want to give you the opportunity if like, where can people find you? Is there anything that you're working on that you want to share? I just, you know, how, how can people get in touch with you if need be? Floor yes. yours. Awesome. Well, I do. I, I'm a connector. Um, I love connecting with people. I love hearing your journeys, especially if we are in a similar industry, similar role. More than happy to connect at any point to share ideas and learn, learn from each other. Um, so I would say LinkedIn is where you can find me, Giselle Batley. Um, I think if you do the, the LinkedIn website in slash Giselle Batley, my full name, um, you can find me there. And I'd be more than happy to connect. Okay. And I'll include your, your information in the show notes as well. So that'll be available. Wonderful. Thank you. Giselle, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Appreciate it. Of course. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tools, Talents, and Techniques podcast. We hope you found the conversation insightful and engaging. And if you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your network. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode as we continue to bring you inspiring discussions with industry leaders and pioneers. Stay connected to the latest insights, trends, and strategies across various fields from business and entrepreneurship to technology and innovation. Your support is vital in helping us reach more listeners and expand our community. So don't forget to leave a review and share your feedback. We appreciate your input and are committed to delivering valuable content that empowers and inspires. To stay updated on future episodes, be sure to follow us on either LinkedIn or our website, suttonrea.com. You can also find us on most podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Thank you for being part of the Tools, Talents, and Techniques community. We look forward to bringing you more engaging conversations and valuable insights in the future. Until then, keep exploring, learning, and applying these tools, talents, and techniques to achieve your own success. <laughs>